TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors here on a Wednesday. I'm Philip Pilkington. Igo is out, unfortunately. little bug going through the Igo household. We were all supposed to, also supposed to have Bobby Harward on, but he, unfortunately, has a little bug going through the Harward household. So we've got the B team in today. I will be your host, and we have Scott Scooter Rogers behind the glass. How's it going, Scooter? Doing wonderful. Uh, we're obviously doing better than uh, Bobby and Igo because we're not sick. <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome into your uh, producing Hoist the Colors debut. We're glad that you can uh, can be a part of the show today. And the big news out of the American Athletic Conference and really all of college sports today is that Army will be joining the American Athletic Conference as a football-only member starting in 2024. Uh, obviously, that means they will play ECU. And then also the biggest news, really, that is concerns this is how does the Navy game work? Well, I'm happy to say, and we're going to get Scooter's opinion on this, is the Navy game will work as it does now. They will play the second Saturday in December. It will be a non-conference game. I'm guessing this means these two teams will not play during the conference. However, the conference has said that if the two teams finish first and second, they will naturally play in the conference championship game the first week, which I'm sure would have nothing to do with the Commander-in-Chief trophy, sorry, the first week of December, and then they would move on and play each other the second week at whatever neutral site is hosting it that week. So, uh, Scooter, your initial thoughts on Army coming to the AAC, as well as uh, your thoughts on the Army-Navy game staying as is? I like it. You know, it gives, obviously, a, a very good American feel to it with both Navy and uh, Army in there. But, you know, Army is a very solid program now. You know, they've done a really good job, especially over the past couple years. And, you know, I think this is a really good move for the conference just because, you know, when you see Army or you see Navy on TV, you know, that's obviously going to drive – or draw some eyes to those games, no matter what, just because of who it is. And so I think from a TV perspective, it's very good for the conference. And, you know, with with Army being in New York, you know, it's not like it's really out of the way travel-wise as well. I mean, you obviously have Temple and you've got uh, Navy as well who are up that way. And so travel-wise, I don't think it's going to be a, a big difference. But uh, having that Army-Navy game is really part not technically a conference game, but both teams having that American Conference logo on their jerseys is going to be pretty cool now. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And by the way, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you have any questions, comments, be sure to drop them on Facebook or YouTube. We will talk about this Army-Navy thing here. We're going to get into some pirate football against UTSA. And then if we have a little time, might talk a little World Series at the end. Obviously, we're going to try and keep it as ECU and as American-centric as possible with it still being Hoist the Colors. And we do wish Igo and both Bobby Harward a speedy recovery. Uh, Igo should be back tomorrow tomorrow um so you know i agree with you there scott um look at the end of the day when i heard that army could be coming to the american i was a little skeptical just slightly because of this game and because of what this rivalry means you know everybody talked about it during 2020 during the pandemic they were like look if college football gets canceled the army navy game's gonna happen and the 
Waits at Army do not say go Army on them. They say beat Navy. And the same thing at Navy where they say beat Army. This truly, I believe, is the greatest rivalry in sports because at the end of the day, everybody can say, oh, I'd rather beat my rival than win a championship. Yeah, that's crap. You're wrong. You'd rather win a championship. However, Army would rather go 1-11 and beat Navy, and Navy would rather go 1-11 and beat Army than go 11-1 and and lose that game. So I was worried about that. I am so glad that the American is coming out and saying, hey, you know what, we're not going to touch that game. We're going to leave it as is, a game that's been going on for over 100 years. I think it's a very important part of our tradition for this country. So many sitting presidents have attended the game. They've played it in so many historic venues across the country. They've even gone to the West Coast a couple times and played this. So I'm really excited that they are going to keep that up. And as well as you know what you're bringing up there, Scott, with, with Army joining the American, yes, uh, not that geography clearly doesn't matter anymore with conferences, but I wish it still would. And it does make sense. Look, New York, even though it's you know kind of upstate New York, it's not extremely far from a school like Temple. Um, as well as, I mean, if you're flying up and down the East Coast, it's not a terrible long travel anyways. Um, but it's another, I don't know if I want to call it a big market because they're not in New York City, but they're still in the state of New York. This is a national fan base. When you look at TV contracts and stuff, there are people all over the country that support Army. You know, Army is up there with Navy, Air Force, and BYU as having supporters solely due to a connection to the branch or in BYU's case, to the religion. And um, I think that, you know, broadens their fan base more than any other fan base. Yes, it may not be the biggest, but it is definitely one of the broadest. I think that is very important for the conference in a time when there's so much realignment going on, there's so much talk about TV contracts, and we see what a lackluster TV contract can get you with this thing like the Pac-12 that is now the Pac-2. It's not because there was not enough prestige in the conference. It was called the Conference of Champions for reason yes they were struggling a little bit in football but ucla is only two years removed from a final four so it's not like they weren't producing in some other big sports but the tv contract was junk i couldn't get the pac-12 network uh, i think spectrum had it i remember we had that for a while when i was living back with my parents still in high school in charlotte but i mean even the pac-12 tournament was on the Pac-12 network for basketball and there'd be decent games going on and nobody could watch them so uh, I think that is important so I think that Army brings a lot to the conference both financially and from a uh, you know from a um, pristine standpoint what are your thoughts on you know kind of the finances there Scooter yeah I mean a lot with what you just said you know you know and I touched about it a few minutes ago how you know when you pop on TV and you see that Army and or Navy is playing you're automatically Good to be drawn to that game just because, you know, it is Army or it is Navy. And, and that goes for, you know, like you said, with, with teams like BYU and you throw Air Force in there with all the service academies. But, you know, that's a it's a very good, you know, eyes drawer TV-wise. And, you know, I know Navy has this, you know, I don't really know the specific of it, but they have this TV deal of their own with CBS Sports Network. And I think Army kind of has the same thing where they have their own TV deals almost. And so, you know, does that affect anything with the American going forward? Obviously, they've worked through it just fine with Navy uh, over these past few years. But, yeah, I mean, it's great because they'll they'll have games on ESPN, obviously, no matter what. 
But just from a TV perspective, you know, like I said, you're going to get, you know, so many different eyes watching AAC games now just because they, they look up there and see a service academy. Yeah, it definitely is a big ad, and, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. Um, I guess the only unfortunate thing is, and not that you're always going to play Navy and Army in the same year, I do like when they play each other. I kind of like that old-school football, but I know defensive coordinators definitely do not want to see that old school triple option twice a year. Obviously, Army and Navy run very similar offenses. Now, over the last few years, well, I say few, really this year, uh, Navy especially has gone to a little bit more of a spread look, but they still don't throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. Still, you sometimes see passes from the service academies, and it's like, this kid's a D1 quarterback. He's definitely a D1 athlete and a D1 runner, but sometimes they throw the ball. They look so goofy. It's like, man, my JV quarterback looked more composed in the pocket. But part of that's due to the scheme. So I think if you're Blake Harrell or one of the other, you know, defensive coordinators, you're like, dang, we're going to have to – now we're definitely going to have to face one of these goofy offenses at least once a year. So I think from a schematic standpoint, it it – it makes it more interesting because, like I said, I enjoy watching those games, but I don't really enjoy when my team plays those teams because, and maybe that's partly because ECU has always struggled against Navy, but uh, it's also just kind of frustrating to watch when it's like fourth and one and you're like, well, they're going for it. You just realize that every drive is pretty much four down territory unless it's like fourth and six. So I don't know. From that standpoint, it kind of stinks i guess just being a pirate fan but overall it'll still be cool to have army come here because i always thought it's cool when the service academies come here so what are your thoughts scooter on the uh on the x's and o's as well as a uh, welcoming welcoming army here to dowdy ficklin well obviously everybody has nightmares of some of these navy games in the past especially from when uh ruffin mcneil was here and they were in those non-conference games with Navy when they were dropping 60 and 70 points on us in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. But I will say, you know, that's one thing that Mike Houston and, and Blake Harrell's defenses have done a good job of is they have really handled the, I would say, triple option better than anybody at East Carolina in recent memory. And granted, you know, we've lost some of those games, but you're not giving up 50, 60, 70 points like a lot of like every game it was when we used to play Navy kind of in those mid 2000s when coach Ruff was here and so I think that's one thing that helps you know obviously Mike Houston has that experience in the triple option from when he ran it at past stops and so you know it's just it's one more game you got to tick it up there and you know prepare for it but you know especially under this staff I think you know, it's not really a huge worry anymore when you look out there and see Navy in that triple option because you know that we at least know how to contain it a little bit versus in the past. Yeah, that's a really good point. I had not thought of it that way. So now the next question I'm going to pose to you, because I agree with everything you just said, and I really have you hit all the points, so I have not much to build on. If you're Blake Harrell or any defensive coordinator, would you rather play both of them one year and have neither the following year or would you rather get stuck playing one each year that's very tough that's a very tough question <laughs> um you know I, I i think any of them would say it really doesn't matter to them probably but you know obviously that would be tough to play both of those in the same year uh just from a you know a, you know teaching perspective and preparing from that side of things but you know i think 
from a from a marketing standpoint in places like that, you know, especially if they're both coming to Greenville, that would be huge. You know, it'd be really cool to have both of them. But, you know, playing them, you know, both times in a year, you know, I think, like I said, most coaches would say it really doesn't matter to them. They still got to prepare for no matter what. But it certainly would be tough to prepare for the triple option twice in a year. See, I view it as if you're decently successful against it like ECU is, Heck yeah. Just give it to me twice in one year because if I do good against the first one, hopefully I'm going to do just as good against the second one. But if you're somebody who struggles against it and you just feel like you stand no chance to win, I would almost be like, I guess we'll just deal with it once a year. So I guess for me it would be based off the success rate. So yeah, if I'm Blake Harrell, just give it to me twice. And then you don't have to worry about it every year. You know, right. you just kind of train your guys like, hey, you know what? We just played Navy two weeks from now. We're playing Army. And uh, let's just take care of business again. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look at, you know, recent games against Navy. I mean, you know, you you know, first one I think of is you go back to the 2020 and the COVID season when Mason Garcia made his first start when, yeah. when Holton got COVID. And, you know, if there would have been, you know, a little bit more offense in that game, you know, if, if Mesa would have been a little bit more experienced, you know, that's a game that, you know, the Pirates probably win that game. Of course, last year the Pirates had a really good chance to beat them here. Didn't do it. Owen Daffer beat them. You know, I think that was two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, where he hit that game-winning field goal. Correct, so, two years ago, yeah, 2021. Yeah, and so when you see, you know, at least from my perspective, maybe not this year, but, uh, you know, when you look on the schedule and see, oh, we play Navy, you're you're not like, oh, my gosh, you know, go ahead and, 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 and chalk that up as a loss every year. You know you actually have a chance, it seems like, when you play these guys now because you actually know how to – prepare for a triple option offense and so i think that's you know just a different perspective now versus in the past against these guys yeah no that makes that's a really good point now the one thing i have noticed and this is totally off topic of actual football but i'm gonna bring it up because we got a couple more minutes left here in this segment so i've never seen navy play in person as a fan Uh, i didn't have tickets in 2020 and last year I was in the press box, so naturally I'm, you know, you had to remain professional. Now, however, we did host Air Force a few years ago in baseball. I remember that. That was a like a Monday game. Or, yeah, or and it was like cold that. as all get out. Yes. So the question I have to you, because I personally say no, I did not know how to re- react when they introduced the Air Force lineup. I'm the guy who likes to boo yell at the other team can you boo and yell at a service academy i personally say no you got to treat them a little different no no i take it back if you go to a service academy you can boo the other ones but i personally say you as an ecu fan we should not boo the opposing team if it's one of the service academies what do you think it's you know i think that's kind of a, a complicated one because at the end of the day it is another football game and you're playing a team that you want to beat but these are people that two to three years after that game is played are putting their lives on the line for this country. And so I think, you know, that that show of respect is huge in these games. Now, I've seen plenty of boos happen <laughs> in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium towards Navy before. But, you know, I think I, I personally would never boo any kind of service academy, no matter you know who it is they're playing yeah and i have no problem you know if they make a if there's a bad call still booing if they score a touchdown oh i'm not opposed to that but just like when they run out of the tunnel like the double birds and booing and 
just for the sake of them running out of the tunnel. Right. Which yeah, I would happily do to Carolina or NC State or anybody else that we play. Yes. Because I, at the end of the day, my least favorite team is whoever the Pirates are playing that week. So. And, and always remember, you know, if we're playing Texas, you have to stand up and listen to their song at the end of the game. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, hopefully uh, you at least get to throw horns down and happily throw horns down on, like, super regionals. But Let's not talk about that. Yeah, there. let's not go into that. Let's get a break instead. How about that? So on the other side of this timeout, we will um, we're going to talk about ECU finally, specifically ECU and UTSA as well as hear a comment from Coach Houston as it regards to the offense. So all that and more on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to Hoist the Colors. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on ninety four point three The Game. Welcome back into our Wednesday show of Hoist the Colors. I'm Philip Pilkington filling in for Stephen Igo. We have Scott Scooter Rogers, the voice of Pirate Baseball behind the glass. And um, we're here, we're talking a little Pirates. You can hear us right now on 94.3 The Game, as well as our streaming platforms on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. If you'd like to drop a comment, please do. Or if you have a question, we do have a comment from some guy named Hoist the Colors. Don't know who that guy is. And he says, uh, hey, guys, great show. Love the setup. Appreciate it, I go. And then he uh, he uh, emphasized our horns down. So always horns down. And uh, hopefully we can get some revenge on those guys one day. But now moving on with the show, we're going to talk some Pirates. Mike Houston got to speak to the media earlier this week, and our uh, Stephen Igo asked him if there were going to be any immediate changes as it relates to the offense and offensive play calling. I've watched um, the game multiple times by now and watched it very closely from a standpoint of uh, watching the play call, uh, watching the defensive call, uh, knowing what uh, is supposed to happen with the play call, uh, and you know, seeing where you know, the issues are. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do whatever is best to give the Pirates the best opportunity to win on game day. And, uh, you know, right now we need, to, we need to coach better during the week as far as it comes to execution. And we need to execute the plays that are called better. And that's, that's on us as coaches to prepare the, the players better. Uh, and so, you know, right now that's my focus. Um, but, you know, you know, I'm not happy with where our record is and I'm not happy with the way we're playing. Um, and I know that we've got to put points on the board. I know we've got to you know, play more consistent offensively. Um, you know, so I'm going to always be evaluating every aspect and do you know, what is best to give the Pirates the best opportunity to be highly successful on game day. And, uh, and that's where we are. You know, interesting comments there. I know a lot of people have been wanting a more direct answer. But at the end of the day, you know, coaches can't just come out and say – bluntly everything they're thinking because you can't tear the locker room apart got to keep the locker room together and from speaking to the players it seems like despite the team being one and six the locker room is still pretty you know together and a lot of credit is that to some of the older guys um rajay harris jeremy lewis jack powers the guys who've been here a lot of those guys on the defensive line uh, are a big part of that as well parker moore on the offensive line you know those guys have really done a good job keeping this locker room together as well as the coaching staff um but people are wanting change and and i get that you know you we love sports we want to see our teams win and it's more than just 
an emotional investment. It is a financial investment because the people who are are calling for these things are spending their hard-earned money on tickets, and a lot of them are donating money to the athletic you know department. So so I get that. But the one thing that you know people keep saying, well, you lost to Charlotte. Why is there not a, a drastic change? When East Carolina, in my opinion, did not make some drastic home run crazy change during the bye week, what that told me is the coaches said, we're going to stick to this plan. And you cannot change that, I think, after the Charlotte game, because what's happening is, is fans are viewing it from a standpoint of, we lost to Charlotte. Charlotte stinks. Charlotte this, Charlotte that. Well, at the end of the day, we're still we're one and six, meaning we still can go six and six. You can still make the bowl game. That was one of the many goals that Mike Houston, his staff, and the players set for themselves in the 2023 season. And when you don't make that big change during the bye week, you're saying, hey, this is what we're going with, whether it be the two quarterback system whether it be keeping Donnie Kirkpatrick as the play caller, whether it be whatever else it is that Pirate fans think should change here or to there. And when you commit to something, you've got to see it till the end. And now I'm not necessarily saying the end is game 12 in the season, but if you're a coach... Your job is to think like a coach, not a fan. Now the fans are saying, and then now, and the fans are right to say this because you're thinking like a fan. It's your job to think like a fan, and it's your job to say, "Season's a wash. We stink. We're one and six. We lost Charlotte." But when you're a coach, you have to have the mindset of, until we lose a seventh game, we can go to a bowl game. We are still potentially bowl eligible and that I think is why Mike Houston is not making any drastic changes as in putting in Raheem Jeter who's played six eight college snaps meaningless college snaps in a 38 point game which then became a 45 point game you know not changing coordinators or any or who is calling the plays or anything like that because at the end of the day this is what coach houston is committed to now if you want to disagree with coach and say i think he should have made a change you know a different point you're entitled to that opinion i believe but right now this is what they've committed to and i think at least until the end of this game this week when you lose game seven now they could win this week they could be two and six and then you know you're pretty much playing playoff games from here on out just trying to make a bowl game but once you lose that seventh game i think there's there could be a more chance for changes to happen whether that be Raheem Jeter or just all new wide receivers as we've had some issues with some drops or all new offensive linemen or whatever those changes may be I think are more likely to happen once you lose that seventh game because then yes the season's not over but a lot of your goals your your big picture goals are are done so I think that's when we would potentially see a little more extravagant changes other than just you know a couple new offensive linemen in um a different guy playing wide receiver you know something a little more extreme such as the quarterback so sorry scooter i kind of went on a rant there but what are your thoughts on uh, on coach's comments there and you know and kind of sticking to the 
what's going on right now and and with the offense especially really with the team yeah I mean he obviously is is very frustrated as everybody is and you know he said kind of the same thing in his post-game presser after the Charlotte game as well and how you know he's got to look at things and you know if 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 you you know hear that for the first time you're thinking okay you know something something's going to happen you know when we heard it Saturday evening after that Charlotte game, you know, everybody was kind of wondering, you know, hey, is, is a change going to be made, you know, tomorrow with that being Sunday? And obviously nothing happened. But, you know, if you read between the lines a little bit, you know, it, it seems like a change is going to be made at some point, whether that, you know, is at some point the rest of the year, if it's, you know, after that last game against Tulsa, you know, Whenever it is, it sounds like it's coming. And, you know, I think everybody knows that, you know, the play calling is the biggest issue here and the fact that, you know, our our offense is not scoring points at all. You know, it's just that's the best way to put it. They're not scoring points. And, you know, I've and, you know, I think a lot of the, the frustration, too, is, you know, especially with people I've talked to and stuff is that. With this offense right now, obviously everybody knows it's not good. It's, it, I mean, that's just that's a fact. It's not good right now. The there's just nothing to really, and it's kind of hard to put it into words. But basically, they're not even trying to do anything different. It seems like right now, you know, they're not trying to to switch things up a little bit on you know the passing game or you know throw some trick plays in there, something like that, just to to try and get something started on that offensive front. And, you know, and I think a biggest thing when you see that is is almost like, well, we know we're not we know we're not good. We know this offense isn't good. So why why try to change anything? But if you truly cared and wanted to fix it, you know, obviously I'm not saying that they don't want to fix it, but you know, just try to do something different to get something started. You know, I remember two years ago, South Carolina when they came here, first play of the game, we threw a you know a trick play and we scored. You know, and you know just doing stuff like that, I think, would be interesting with this offense, just to try to get something going. And you know, if if you do that, then nothing works. Okay, well, we tried to do something here. We tried to fix it, and it's not working. Then you can make that change, and you've got some more justification there. Yeah, I, I agree. That has been one of those frustrating parts. It's like. Offense has been a little vanilla, and vanilla is great if you're seven and zero. If you can keep it vanilla and win games, by all means, keep it vanilla. But to your point, Scott, there's not really been a spark, and they haven't really tried to make one other than doing traditional play calls. I don't know if their worry is, "Hey, we're going to run this trick play, and it's going to go horribly wrong." And it's going to lead to a turnover and free points for the other team. And then we're going to be down and out of the game early. Because really, this Pirate team has been in every game, with the exception of Michigan, which is honestly probably the best game against an FBS opponent they've played start to finish. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is they've, they've, they have had a chance to win every game yeah. this year. You know, obviously you take out that Michigan game. And really, you know, you know, other than a couple plays here and there in that Michigan game, you know, we very well could have given up 20 points in that game. Yeah. And lost by 20, which, I mean, that would have been huge. But it's just, you know, like you said, they've been in every single game. And, you know, obviously that's good when you're winning if you're coming out of those close games on the other side. But when you're losing, 
it's very frustrating. And the way that we're losing, where they are so low scoring because your defense has been so good this year and there's nothing to back it up, that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. That's that's why I think we do need to kind of go to the spark. Like I said, I think the coaches are going maybe a little more conservative. That's why they're not doing it. Like I said, you don't want to give a, a, a point away or a, a touchdown away when the defense is playing as good as it is. But at the end of the day right now, I, I say you just got to try a little something because the vanilla is just – you're just not executing well enough to, to run the vanilla offense. Like I said, if – you could sit there and play three yards in a cloud of dust for a little play action and a few five-step drops here and there, and it works. It works. But uh, let's get to some of the comments here. Uh, Robert um, Dedrick, I'm sorry, uh, says, Pirate Nation needs to step up and pay CB, cornerback Revel. Um, You can't – sorry, you can give NIL to specific players, be a part of the solution. Uh, you know, Robert, I agree with you there. Um, the fact that NIL is such a big thing. We need to do what we can to retain the players. You know, I go emphasis all the time. We cannot emphasis enough. Do everything you can if you're a Pirate fan and you have the means to donate to Team Boneyard or, or find other NIL ways because at the end of the day, yeah, this season hasn't been perfect, but there's been a lot of key components to keeping games close and it would be really great if we can retain those guys moving in to the next season we'll get to a couple com- another comment here before we get to the break michael jones says lol the in quotes end was charlotte as in the end of his career um I actually do want to talk about this, but we need to get another break. So let me read the next two comments, and then I do want to actually want to come to that. Uh, and then Hoist Colors. So Stephen Igo says, zero real trick plays this season despite the offensive struggles is pretty wild. And then he said, all we've seen is a direct snap to a running back. Yeah, I don't even consider wildcat trip trick plays anymore i guess so i agree with your first comment there hasn't been really any trick plays um because yeah the wildcat or maybe it was a maybe the running back was standing off to the quarterback but still at the end of the day i mean dan henning invented the wildcat at our well the wild hog as he called it at arkansas 15 20 years ago and then obviously brought to the nfl with my carolina panthers even though he made it famous in uh in Miami with that three touchdown day against the Patriots, what, 10, 15 years ago now. So that's just part of football. So uh, we're going to get another timeout. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Stay with us. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? Welcome back into Hoist the Colors here, our Wednesday show, talking a little bit about pirates and roadrunners. Um, we're going to get in some more of these comments real quick. Newton Smith says, interesting, we don't have very many major businesses outside of Greenville contributing to NIL or to the bottom line and then you know NIL in parentheses. Uh, I don't even see big industry in Greenville contributing. Then he left a second comment and said, I could be wrong, just an observation. Yeah, you know, Newton, I, I don't really want to get into this because I'm not 100% sure who is and isn't contributing. Obviously, we have... You know, the Anson Belton Buckle commercial with Mason Garcia, as well as, you know, here on our radio station, we do air a lot of ads where the players do the reads. And I believe 
that they are all being paid for those. And a lot of those are local businesses. So I think it's happening in specific ways. It may not be a straight up just check to the player, but it's happening. But you're right. It can always happen more. And to answer your question, businesses outside of Greenville, well, you know, if you're not an ECU alum, you're probably contributing to your school's NIO. I was getting ready to say, unless you're an alum or you grew yeah. up an ECU fan, you know, why would somebody in Raleigh that, you know, really has no connection to East Carolina, why would they give money to to ECU? Exactly. Same thing for like why would I why would I give money to the to the Wolfpack Club? Exactly. Like, like I would not do that. Yeah. So and that's the unfortunate thing. You know, this is a it's a great town, but this town is here because this university's here. You know, we don't have skyscrapers. We don't have a lot of corporate businesses other than restaurants, car dealerships, banks, you know, just the essentials for for um, a town to survive in the 20th century or 21st century. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. Uh, Craig Littlefield says, we do not have the offensive tools if they put together a decent game and win against UTSA's deep. We do not, sorry. If we if they put together a decent game to win against the UTSA defense, UTSA's defense isn't phenomenal. They're kind of one of those teams that win shootouts, kind of a traditional AAC team. So I think our defense can hold them fairly low, but they're going to score. I don't think we can win this one ten to seven. As good as the Pirate defense is, I think the Pirates are going to probably have to score twenty to win this one. Um, and then Newton Smith did say, he came back and said, that's what I meant, ECU alumni on businesses. Yeah, um, like I said, I don't know who all 100% is and is not donating to the NIL collective, but it would be nice to see more. You, you cannot have too much. So, yeah, if you own a local business, please help out because we all want to win football games. But we want to go back to the quote from earlier now from michael jones when he said the end was charlotte as in end of his career i'm guessing he's talking about donnie kirkpatrick here not mike houston so we're gonna get into that and look you know scooter kind of brought there there's probably going to be a change at some point and you know we all like donnie he's done a lot of good things here both in the past but, you know the de- the long ways ago time ago past as well as the more recent past and you know it, it's unfortunate that if his career comes to an end here in 2023 that his legacy will be a lot remembered by this unfortunate season where you know maybe he has done the best he can do maybe he hasn't i don't know i'm not in these locker rooms it's not my place to judge but he has been dealt a, a pretty tough hand you know we all know that so could it be the end of his career with it being his age possibly i would hope if he's not ready to hang it up and you know that he can find a position coaching job i thought he did a phenomenal job coaching the receivers here the first time he was here so you know, it's just one of those things. It's a business. Coaching's a business. You don't put wins together, and unfortunately, you, you you don't have a job anymore, and it's just like the rest of us, right? If if I don't come in and show up and, and do my job to the, you know, ability that my boss thinks I should do it, then then I don't have a job anymore, and that's just how it is, so... You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the scooter? I guess I know I'm not really saying much. I'm kind of giving you a coach's answer here about Donnie, but it, it, he's probably right. 
at the end of the day, this is probably the end for Donnie. And I and I personally hate for him. I like Donnie as a person. Like I said, I think he's done a lot of good for this university. And uh, you know, I hate that it's probably going to come to an end this way. Yeah, you know, it, and this is a guy too. You know that you know I've spoken to a lot. You know, you know, just running into him, he's always said hello to me. He's a very, very nice guy. And and, and as you said, he's been with East Carolina for on two different occasions here under Ruff McNeil and also under Mike Houston as he is now. But you know, he's had so many other connections. You know, he's his son Davis Kirkpatrick. You know, was was a member of you know East Carolina's baseball team for. A number of years and you know this they've lived in this community so many years you know I know Davis went to went to D.H. Conley you know was a very good quarterback and baseball player there you know I just mentioned him playing baseball at East Carolina and you know this is a guy who's put in you know so many you know years for East Carolina and it is it is unfortunate to probably see it come to an end here and you know especially you know at least over the next month probably so but you know, it, at the end of the day, as you said too, you know, it is a it's a business thing. You know, if you're not winning football games, if your offense is not scoring points, and you're not getting things done, you know, you've you've got to make a change. And you know, that that I think, you know, without saying it, you know, it's probably going to happen here. You know, whether it's like we said earlier during these next couple games, or whether it's that you know kind of day after that last game against Tulsa. Yeah, and Michael has re-commented, and Tony Hicks, I realize I am skipping your comment. We will get back to that, but I want to stay on this topic. Michael Jones, who made that initial comment, says, no, I meant both, or the end of both. I, I'm i going to disagree with you here, Michael. Look, Mike Houston has won everywhere he's been. He inherited a rough situation here. He turned it around, and he's having a bad year. Could he be let go from ECU? Because of financial reasons, I'm going to come out and say probably not. That's a lot. And that buyout, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard it somewhere in the, you know, $4 million range. Yeah, it's something like that. So I say probably not. And I would say even if – say that we're in a different situation. Say he's in the second to last year of his contract, his buyout's a million, they have no – you know, no problem writing the check. And they, and they do – they can do that. I wouldn't say it would be a guarantee he'd be gone – because I think he's done a lot of good things. Unfortunately, right now, we live in an era of football where the quarterback position is so is the most important position in any sport in the world. And we have not gotten great quarterback play. And I'm not saying it's all the quarterbacks. I'm not. But neither one of these guys have really developed the way we would like them to. However, Holton didn't develop a whole heck of a lot in his first year starting either it took him a little time but the difference was the whole team was bad it was we knew it was bad so you know it was left over from the scotty mo stuff that was all his recruits so people were more patient and so i think that houston even if they could write that check i personally think they probably wouldn't i think the administration is so much behind houston and even if not to say it's the end of his career Heck no. This guy has won too many places. Even if they let him go here, he would be somewhere else coaching and winning football games. And, you know, he would, it would take him, he'd probably have to take a step back. He'd probably have to go to a Mac school or a Fun Belt school or something like that. But um, far from the end of, of Mike Houston's career. Yeah. And, you know, if, you know, this, less, you know, you make that, uh, uh, I got my words twisted up there. If you make a coordinator change and you try to you try to fix the issue at the end of the year, and next year you come back, 
you win three or four games, that's a different story, I think. But this year, I don't think it would be the, the smart move financially either to to make that the head coaching change. I think you try to fix some of the issues on that offensive side because it's you know and you, you know you look at what Houston has done with bringing Blake Harrell in. I mean Blake Harrell has been amazing on that defensive side and, and that proves that he can hire new coaches and make them successful. And so I think you give him the chance to to fix that offensive side before you before you make that change. And I know a lot of people are frustrated. And, you know I know. You know, a lot of the fans are frustrated just because of how uh, how Coach Houston has said some things and comments that he's made specifically. But, you know, I think that, you know, from an administrative perspective, let him try to fix this offense. Then, if nothing works, then you really start making about talking about making that change, possibly. Yeah, and I agree, and Blake has done a phenomenal job. I love Blake, and I do not think he's going to be at East Carolina much longer, and that's because somebody is going to call him and give him a head coaching job. And honestly, we would be lucky to keep him after this season because you know you never know yeah. with when a Power 5 job coordinator-wise opens up. I'm sure he's going to be at the top of the list of a lot of head coaches at these Power 5 rings. His defense was on the field for 41 minutes Saturday, and they let up 10 points. So Michael comes back. He said 1-11 gets you fired a single win I think the answer is no yeah you're entitled to your opinion Michael I, I, I get what you're saying and it's I know it's been a rough year everybody's frustrated uh, Robert came back and said Donnie K came in with Skip Holtz in 2005 three different staffs love the guy but you know it's kind of rearing what we said so I do want to get actually to uh, the the point that Taylor or uh, Tony excuse me made Tony Hicks about UTSA, we haven't really talked at all about UTSA, so we will get to that, but I do want to take a time out here. we got to get to our last break. We will come back. We will actually talk a little bit about the Roadrunners as we've been kind of delaying that conversation, so stay with us. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Alrighty, so welcome back into Hoist the Colors as we wrap up the show here on this Wednesday. Uh, if you're just joining us, Stephen Igo is out feeling a little under the weather. I'm Philip Pilkington filling in, and Scott Rogers is behind the glass. Tony Hicks says, uh, even if we have a little bit more offense this weekend, I'm worried about Frank Harris has been hot with UTSA. He is going to make our defense earn their keep. Um, you hit the nail on the head, Tony. Uh, this offense has been explosive. Um, Harris can throw the ball Harris can run the ball Harris is in his seventh year so the game happens a lot slower to him than it does the average college quarterback which Mike Houston said yesterday and the defense is going to have to earn it and I think the defense is up to the challenge however the defense will not be up to the challenge if they're on the field for 41 minutes they need to be on the field for 30 minutes and then I think they can realistically keep this team to 17 or 20 points if everything goes well but the offense is going to have to you know not always give the defense short fields they're gonna have to flip the field get some offense you know even on drives they don't score they're at least just gonna have to pick up some first downs keep the pressure off the defense but I definitely believe in Blake Harrell I believe in this in in, in our boys on the field to uh to to keep it respectful and uh, and keep this team in this game what do you think scooter yeah i mean and you know this is the team that was picked to win the american this year i believe it was and so you know this is a good team coming in we've seen what they've done this year now 
granted, they didn't have as explosive offense for a few games when Frank Harris was out, but I think I've only watched UTSA once this year, and we were talking about this before the show, where I believe that was their game against Army, which was the day before we played App State. And, you know, obviously that's kind of a – a different perspective because you're playing army it's just so much different game plan like we were talking about earlier as well but you know we know what UCSA can do we know that their offense is good and it's going to be a challenge you know against them and and hopefully this defense is up to the challenge and maybe we try to get something going on that offensive side to to give that you know some kind of jump start in this game because I think you know the biggest thing that we're going to have to do is, you know, I think you get the ball to start this game and, and you try to get points on the board as, as quick as you can if you're this East Carolina offense. Yeah, you definitely do. I don't think we can win this one 10-7. Moving over to some of the other comments here, Jerry Vick says, I wish Coach Houston would give the fans a pep talk. He needs to not only keep his players and coaches motivated, but the fans too. You know, Jerry, I get what you're saying because at the end of the day, you want to hear the coach have belief and you want – to hear him say, yes, this is, you know, we still believe, you know, we can still make a bowl game. But I just think Mike's not that kind of guy. Um, I think there are some coaches that would, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just his personality. Um, but also, you know, if he did do that, he would be catching some people on the other side, you know, calling him an idiot, saying the coach, the season's over, coach. What are you talking about? You, you need to be more realistic. So I get what you're saying, Jerry. I'm not going to totally disagree with you there, but it just kind of, Playing the devil's advocate, just kind of seeing it from both sides. And then Charles says, I hate to single out one group. The biggest problem is the O-line. We can't run. We can't pass protect. Hard to call any plays when second and ten plus nearly every series. You know, look, Charles, I'm not a huge pro football focus guy, but we do have the worst rated offensive line when it comes to pass protection. So I agree with you. You know, when the quarterback's on his backside, especially when it's a young quarterback, you know, a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience, regardless of which guys in the game, it's really tough to call plays. So this offense has been struggling. It always starts with the guys up front. So I agree with you. However, the receivers have dropped some balls that, you know, look, maybe they're not home run passes, but it would be ones that could get us early first downs in the game that just haven't gotten us early first downs in the game that have made us play behind those sticks as well as the quarterback play. It's been a little inconsistent, but yeah, you're right. This, the offensive lineman, I mean, we lost four starters, and unfortunately, we did not replace them. So, uh, Scooter, you got any uh, final thoughts here as we wrap up the show on you know either one of those, whether it be Coach giving us some pep talk or, or the offensive line struggles? Yeah, I mean, you know, you start with the offensive line. I think you know when you look into the future and and when you have these NIL you know assets to use, I think that would be a, a big area to to really use some NIL opportunities with because you know no matter who you have at quarterback if they don't have time to throw the ball nobody's going to be good back there and so I think that's a huge part where you got to look at some things in the offseason and uh, yeah I mean going back to that pep talk thing you know kind of the same stuff that you said about uh, you know you know it's kind of a devil's advocate thing there but it certainly I don't think would hurt some things if you had Coach Houston come out and say some things but regardless hoping for the best this weekend and uh Maybe we'll get a pirate win. Hopefully we'll get a pirate win. We want to thank all of our listeners, everybody, for commenting on today's show. Thanks to Scott Rogers behind the glass. Thanks to Stephen Igo for letting us fill in. Hope you feel better, Stephen. Hope you feel better, Bobby Harward. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Hoist Colors. We'll see you tomorrow. 
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 the game.